Welcome, welcome back to Boss Uncaged Podcast. So off air, you know, we had this whole thing about this naming thing, right? So I, I, his name was, was Bustin, it was Justin, it was everything else but Dustin. I'm like, that's the man's name. So let's get that straight and out the way. <laughs> but as you guys know, I like to give whoever I'm interviewing a particular nickname. So today's nickname is the Hormone Boss. So when I, when I say hormone it's kind of like it kind of some people may think like, what kind of hormones is he actually talking about? Like what like what, what does a hormone boss actually do? How is what is that? So I want you to kind of tell a little bit more about you and what kind of hormones are we talking about today? OK, very cool. I like how we're starting this off. So I think people really overcomplicate, you know, the word hormones and it gets mm. if you're on Instagram and you follow any type of fitness thing or health thing like everybody's chiming in from a million different directions and from all different types of angles and worldviews. And the word hormone, I think it's really messy for lack of a better term. All a hormone is like the very basic and simple thing that is all it is, is a chemical that your body creates to cause some sort of action or reaction. That's it. Now there's multiple different types of hormones in your body, but don't overcomplicate it. All it is, is it's a substance that your body is going to create to tell your body to do something, whether it's you know, create muscles, whether it's increased blood flow or oxygen potency in the blood, all those fun things. It's just a catalyst. So it's, it's very, very basic, but you know, for what we do, we focus on growth hormone. That's our, you know, our pride and joy. And, uh, and, um, that's our thing. We focus on growth hormone and education on hormones, specifically primarily with men over the age of 35 from education to application to bettering themselves, all that kind of fun stuff. Okay, so like, like, let's time travel back. I mean, obviously, now we now we got a definition of hormone. So I want to talk about you a little bit, right? So I think mm-hmm. in another podcast, you were talking about like you were raised in a minor league football household where your dad was on the bench <laughs> and was smoking cigarettes. So I wanted like, how how did you go from being <laughs> raised in that environment to then specializing in hormones? Yeah, and that's you know that's a really great question i i did i grew up in a um i actually grew up separate from my father but that you know that's a fun story to tell he was a minor league football player the dude smoked cigs i mean that i mean the whole it was kind of setting the stage of you know the environment that a lot of us grew up in which is complete lack of any type of nutrition or health education right so that story is always kind of you know throws it right into your face. Like that's what we grew up with. I I mean, I grew up with a single mom. I was kind of raised by my grandma and my mom together. We didn't, you know, we didn't know anything about nutrition. We, we ate what we had, um, you know, a gallon of milk a day. It was, was living large for us and getting to have cereal. If we ever had cookies, I mean, that was the, you know, the greatest thing of all time. So that was, that was literally the extent of, of nutrition. Nobody, nobody taught you that stuff. So that's kind of how we grew up and where that story came from. But, you know, that lifestyle and lack of education led me to a very unhealthy lifestyle mm-hmm. throughout my teenage years, throughout uh, the early part of my 20s. I mean, I'm a millennial. I, you know, lack of, had very little direction in life, didn't know what you want to be. You find yourself drinking, partying, you know, smoking cigs, doing all kinds of stuff that's detrimental to your health. And one day somebody kind of slapped it out of me and was like, hey, man, why don't you just stop doing that kind of crap and come to the gym? And that was literally the start of kind of all of this stuff. Now that was years and years ago, but with that gym, what that what that friend did for me when he brought me to the gym that one day was he taught me, and he doesn't know that he did it, and, and it, it's kind of how all these things snow, snowballed and compounded. But what fitness and the gym and health and nutrition taught me was discipline and delayed gratification, which is 
to be honest, how we build our entire business structure now moving forward, whether it's you know fitness, health, nutrition, hormone products, whatever that is, our core virtues, and we use the word virtue instead of value because virtue is something that you execute, that you do. Values are just something that you believe in. Um, our core virtues are delayed gratification, discipline, and basically integrity doing the work. And it all kind of boils down to that one day when we flipped the switch and instead of drinking all day, I, I went to the gym. So, I mean, I think that that's a pretty solid segue because, I mean, another podcast you were talking about, like zero discipline, zero drive. And that day when you went to the gym with a friend, it's like that's when you was kind of like, OK, like you started to get more discipline because you wanted to see some results. You started to get more drive as you started to get more results. So I want to talk about, like, how did that then stem into you becoming more so a strategist in hormone development? Sure. So, yeah. And discipline's a huge word for me because up until that point, I had zero. Um, that's part of like the whole family story. You know, I typically talk about in interviews is we didn't have any, we didn't have any discipline. No one taught us that. Um, and I, I don't think it was anything, you know, against my parents. I don't think anybody taught them that. So it, it was, it's, you know, it's not fair to, to, to drop it on top of them, but that's my big thing is discipline. And that's something my family will always, um, that's the number one thing in our household. Now, how did it get me to this point? Um, well, that discipline, like I said earlier, snowballed and compounded and, took me from a world of, I don't know any other better way to describe it, partying and wasting time and doing nothing with my life to finding something that I truly loved and believed in, which was the, the fitness, health, and wellness um, you know, world. Mm-hmm. And I was willing to do anything to be a part of that. And that meant leaving the old life I had kind of behind. And I found a mentor that I wanted to work under and I wanted to study under. And I went to him and I sat down and I said, Hey, I can't afford to be a part of your program. I can't, I didn't have any money. So like, I couldn't afford to be a part of your program. I can't afford this. I will do whatever it takes. I'll do, I'll take out your garbage. I'll clean your toilets. I will, you know, literally sweep floors mm-hmm. for you to just teach me. And that's exactly what I did. I took out his garbage and I cleaned up and I swept floors and I mopped gym floors and I scrubbed barbells. And this gentleman who was an ex Olympic decathlete um, taught me what he knew about human performance and athletic development and all this really cool stuff that I loved. And the, during that process, like sleeping in basements and sleeping with bugs and not, I mean, that, that was part of the whole process and, you know, making no money. It was, but I loved my life and that taught me that discipline, that work ethic, that integrity that no one else had. And, you know, it, it rolled over into other businesses where, other businesses, you know, that relationship kind of have come to an end from a, a working relationship and other businesses picked me up to run their facilities. And before you know them, I was running their facilities and I was being brought into other companies to do focus groups on on products and developments. And one thing leads to another and, um, you know, businesses compound and opportunities come your way. And um, we, you know, I mean, there's a whole bunch that goes into this story, but I, you know, I, I found my way with these products that we had come across out of this small company here in Florida, and I love them. And, and we use them in every asset, every venture that I had participated in, whether it was professional athletics, collegiate athletics, NFL off-season combine prep, all that fun stuff. And one time I was just like, with one of my now mentors and business partner, we're like, hey, you know, why don't we just do this the right way? And let's just see if they want to sell it. And we walked in and we acquired the company. We had a deal struck in three weeks. And now um, 
you know, fast forward five years later, we're on every continent other than Antarctica and you name the country and we probably ship there. And it's been a wild ride ever since. So, I mean, I think that's, that's a, a fascinating hell of a story. Right? I mean, like you're talking about HGH in, in a fashion that's usually mm-hmm. not in context, right? You're talking about it from direct to consumer. So most times you may hear that it may be like to pharmaceutical, it may be to doctor, to client. So how did that, that stem when you kind of removed it from the needle to make it more so something that, that's a drinkable thing that's broken down into someone's stomach? Like, Sure. So, yeah. So the important part is, is I didn't actually, and I have no problem saying this, I didn't create yeah. the formula. Um, it was created by two brothers here in Florida. And what they did was, you know, what we make is an alternative to human growth hormone. We make an alternative to the needle. And we saw that there was a massive uh, opportunity in the market space for people who want the benefits for synthetic hormone drugs mm-hmm. and are terrified as they should be of the potential side effects, risks, you know, all the bad stuff that could pop up someday, you know, dropping dead in parking lots at 55 years old. Like that stuff is scary and it should be. But um, the benefits and the health applications of what people go through, you know, shouldn't be so scary and there should be an alternative for them. So that was the opportunity that we saw of why we wanted to, you know, grab these, grab these formulas and, and bring them direct to the market instead of just leaving it in a space where only physicians had opportunities for this or only, you know, only people who kind of were in on the in club or in this, you know, this exclusive um, list of individuals, whether it be athletes or people who have tens of thousands of dollars to spend every year on aesthetic and physical applications, you know, everybody should have the opportunity to take advantage of this stuff. So, I mean, I think what you're saying is a phenomenal thing. I mean, obviously we're used to hearing about these hormones as far as drugs that enhance, right. Or anti-aging. So what you're saying is that every single day person potentially could have access to this. So, I mean, that comes down to price, right? So if you're talking about price, usually in, in, in the medical field, you're talking about thousands of dollars to kind of get these hormones. So on the other perspective, what you're doing with direct to consumer, what's the price differential between these two? It's about a 10th. If you want to go on the average, about a 10th the price of so 10%. So an average human growth hormone treatment can range anywhere from 3000. The average for nationwide is around 3000 bucks. If you, mm-hmm. if you include needles, doctor visits and the actual drug itself in California, where it's highly, highly, highly regulated um, and increasingly being regulated higher in other countries where it's not even available, you're looking at $10,000 a month. So, you know, a couple hundred bucks is a, a long way away from three to 10 G's. That's a, that's a ton of cash to be spending, you know, every month for people, which I mean, that's not normal. So let's just talk about like your clients, right? I mean, obviously you're talking about professional athletes. You're talking about probably um, trusted physicians, but ideally if you had to pick an an avatar for this product, who would that avatar be? Yeah. So we primarily focus on men over the age of 35 who are involved in some sort of competitive athletic sport. Now I'm not saying professional athletics. I'm talking, you know, weekends, I'm talking the weekend warrior because that's every, that's most of us, right? Um, The cyclist. The, uh, the triathlon guy, the Ironman guy, the CrossFit guy, the guy that works out every day at the gym. Mm. Um, these are the people that really tend to benefit the most from our products. Uh, and the reason why 35 is the age is because growth hormone specifically um, has been shown to decrease by about 50% by the age 35 hmm. in some cases. So that's why when you're like 40 years old or you're 41, 45, whatever, you kind of wake up one day and you feel like you've hit that wall. You, you kind of look in the mirror and you're like, man, I don't really look like I used to. I don't have the energy I used to. I don't have that drive. That's like, 
that's physiology and that is happening to all of us. It happens at different rates, but that's why it hits like that 40, 45 years old is you're 10 years past that potential 50% depletion mark. You're now you're really feeling it. A physician we have here in Tampa um, that we work with has a really great analogy. And that is, it's like a paper cut every day after puberty. So as soon as you finish puberty, you're taking a paper cut somewhere on your body every day. Now, paper cuts, you don't really, you're not going to die a loss of blood with one paper cut. Uh But if you add a paper cut every single day, I mean, you're at massive blood loss. And then one day you wake up and you really feel it. I think I think the, the way you're depicting that, I think you left out one element. And and again, I, I, I'm I'm very transparent. And before we got on the show, we talked about transparency. Well, obviously, in that age range and what you're talking about is highly affected people. You're talking about libido as well, too. And I mean, doesn't the yeah. the drugs kind of affect that as well? I mean, like, let's talk about that for a minute. Hundred percent. So, and it's a really important. I think the the word libido, or you get into words like erectile dysfunction, et cetera, are kind of scary for people, but. It is what it is. And in today's day and age, it is massively rampant, especially, I mean, clearly erectile dysfunction among men. In fact, to the point of it's about one out of every three guys experiences some sort of erectile dysfunction or libido issue. So that's one out of three guys. So if you're watching this, like driving in your car or you're in your office and you're watching, like look to your left and look to your right. If there's three guys in a row, one of you guys is suffering from it. So it's it's nothing to really be ashamed of. It's not like you want to go talk about it all day, like at the dinner table this weekend at Thanksgiving. But you know, it, it is something that is dealt with and it can be directly related to specifically these hormones, uh, growth hormone being one of them. Um, basically, what it comes down to is growth hormone is, is metabolized by the liver. Okay. So growth hormone is created by the pituitary gland. It, a lot of people don't know that it goes to the liver and then it gets converted into what are called growth factors. So a lot of these issues can actually, and all the science will show that it can get directly related to low IGF-1 serum levels. Now, let me explain. IGF-1 is called insulin-like growth factor number one. It is the direct metabolite of human growth hormones. So when you go to the doctor and you want to get tested and have blood work, the thing that they're going to test for is not growth hormone. They're going to test for IGF-1 because that is what is present in the bloodstream. So things like erectile dysfunction, diabetes, a lot of different neurological issues like Parkinson's, ALS can be directly related to low serum IGF-1 levels. So that's where this whole kind of thing really comes into. And a, and a better, or excuse me, a lesser known fact, which really blows people away when we do a lot of our education, is that like right now, guys are really into testosterone and they should be, right? It's huge. I mean, testosterone is your, one of your most dominant hormones in your body. It's responsible for a lot of fun stuff, but you can't even absorb natural testosterone or synthetic for that matter without adequate levels of IGF-1 or growth hormone. So they, they're symbiotic within themselves. They have to be paired together and they have to be adequately um, at, appropriate le- at appropriate levels. Hmm. So, I mean, that, that's a fascinating like, like delivery of a definition. So that, that brings me to, if you're talking about anti-aging, like how does this hormone, does it like heal the cells? Does it make the cells reproduce faster? Yeah. Like, like what does it do actually for the, at the cellular level? So what, so what we do is, Remember, growth hormone goes, gets converted into IGF-1. Those are called growth factors, okay? Growth factors are really cool. And I think they, they really don't get the screen time, for lack of a better term, that they should. Um, growth factors are awesome. So what they are is they're called protein cytokines, okay? And all that means is they're cellular signals. So your body creates these growth factors from growth hormone, okay? 
these growth factors, the cellular signals, get sent out into the blood to literally tell cells what to do. So you have all these cells in your body, right? They have to be triggered. They have to be told to replicate, to multiply, to differentiate. So that is cellular growth, right? They, your cells, if you remember back in like sixth grade science class, you talk about cells splitting and multiplying. That's called differentiation. So what happens is, is let's say, let's say you're a guy and you're 40 years old, right? And you're at the gym and you're like, man, I don't recover like I used to. I feel like crap. My back hurts. Okay, cool. There's a reason why that happens now. And it didn't happen as much when you were younger in your early 20s. And that's that your cells would multiply and differentiate at a higher rate when you were younger. You have less cellular signals in your body when you are older. So you're not triggering the same type of differentiation and multiplication. So that's where growth factors come in. If you are a guy and you're quote unquote aging, right? Your skin is sagging. Again, cells that aren't replicating fast enough, collagen cells. Um, you're, you're, you're not healing as fast as you like to. You literally are experiencing what we talked about libido, which is anything from uh, you know, nerve, nerve issues to lack of oxygen potency in the blood that's actually getting to your, you know, your genitals. All of those things are triggered by growth factors. So as those growth factors come down, you experience the side effects of those things like not healing fast enough, mm -hmm. recovering from workouts and growing muscle fast enough. You're not getting the oxygen potency in your blood that leads, you know, to your junk that's helping you get aroused. Like it's all yeah. of those things. So, I mean, it kind of goes back to what you were saying. You're saying like your ideal avatar is essentially men that are pretty much like weekend warriors that are going out doing it. But it seems like, like, like this is for every man period at a certain period point in time in their life. I mean, obviously it's, it's for every guy that wants to have libido, every guy that wants to kind of go and do something and not have all the, the side effects of, of recovery time. So again, like making it direct to consumer you're doing yourself uh, a really big service to the general public. So why don't people know about this? I want you to talk about like, obviously we probably see the negative in light. We probably see some marketing, but why is it not like an international thing to where people can kind of go into a drugstore and just pick it up? Uh, well, they can, and they do kind of now. Um, we get calls from, I mean, we're on the phone with Qatar to Japan to Egypt. I had a, I had a gentleman ask me the same thing. Um, he asked me directly and he's like, well, you know, this was, you know, via digital. I wasn't, I wasn't standing in front of him, but he, he literally said the same thing. And he goes, well, you know, if this was so great and, and this is all of these things, well, wouldn't this be all over the world? And I looked at him and I said, you're calling me from Egypt. It is you it, it, like, it made it to you. I, I mean, how do you not, how do you not see that? And then he was like, Oh, that makes sense. So we, you know, it is, that's why we, this is a business show, right? We, that's why we acquired the company. We knew how special these things were and that they were in the hands of individuals who are phenomenal formulators and phenomenal biochem guys. Mm -hmm. um, but that's where we come in. And that's, that's my job. That's what I do is I'm talking to you because the product needs to continue to grow and it needs to continue to make it into the hands of the individuals that can benefit it from the most. And that's what we do. And that's, that's what our company is, uh, you know, pride ourselves on. So, I mean, I think we brought up a couple of different times about like, you know, you acquired this company. So I want to talk about like, yeah. the business aspect of, um, acquisition, you know, acquiring something like this. Like, how did you go about that? I know obviously you had a mentor, obviously you had to raise capital, but I want you to kind of walk through the steps to where, Day one, you selected this company for whatever reason until day two when that money was actually transferred to their account and you had ownership. So the first things first is when you are looking at 
acquiring a company or even starting a company because I get a lot of younger guys and gals that have reached out to me or you know us and would like direction on, okay, how do I start this? Or what do I focus on this? Or how do I make these decisions? I think it's very important. And as cliche as it sounds, you have to pick something that you like really believe in. You have to pick something that is within your worldview that you believe in that is part of your life already. If you do not do that, everyone else will notice. It'll be, and what I mean by that is people can like, people can see in authenticity. They can, they, they can, they can see it from a mile away. And they, even if they can't pinpoint it, they can feel it internally and it will push people away from your brand, from what you do, from what you sell. When you sell pure authenticity, when you sell 100% you know, genuineness, your brand will catch on and it will catch on no matter what it is with those who believe the exact same things you believe in. Now, why I just said all that is because why we acquired this company is I use these products. I use them. I bought them. I paid full price for them. I, uh, in previous business ventures, I was in, uh, I was head of sales and marketing for a, a national um, franchise for, um, for athletic development, collegiate, pro football, stuff like that. I, I found a way to. I'm like, okay, well, if we're training guys for the combine, if we are training, you know, athletes off season from CFL, NFL, what's going to make them? the best at what they do. Well, I put in these products. I didn't own any of the company. I had nothing to do with it. So we would infuse these products. I owned and created um, uh, a fitness facility from the ground up, a, a methodology and stuff that, you know, a gym that we created and developed. And when I ran that operation and launched that brand, I brought in the products because I knew that they worked. Like I believe in them so much. I've used them across multiple different business ventures. So it only seemed natural to be like, okay, well, this is a phenomenal opportunity to get into a space that I wanted to get into, um, the medical space, because I see the medical space as um, it has a little bit higher of a barrier to entry for competition. It has a little bit higher of a, of a I want to use the right word here, um, it will withstand a little bit more of economic downturn. Um, I, I like working in the medical space for you know a lot of those reasons, some other reasons as well. But so this was the entry point into that space of something that I already believed in. And instead of me trying to recreate the wheel, I could get my hands on something that existed, that was tangible, that has, you know, I've tested for years and I, I saw the long-term and short-term benefits of it. So that's why we made a decision to kind of reach out and try and make that deal happen. And, you know, I, I, late, years later, I read a book by the guy, I can't remember his name, but he owns and was CEO of Honeywell who makes, they make like basically everything. And it was a book specifically on all of his acquisitions mm. and why he would acquire. I wish I could remember his name. And it was a boring book, but it was very telling. It was a, it was still good from a you know, the educational perspective of how you decide what acquisitions to make and why you make them. And they still fall in that line of it. It makes sense for you. It's part of your worldview. It fits within you know the parameters of who you are, what kind of business you do, and and what kind of business you want to do. Hmm. I think it's definitely fascinating. Cause, I mean. Obviously, earlier on, you were talking about you didn't have any discipline, you didn't have any drive. You went to the gym, and by going through the gym, you kind of evolved into who you are right now. But I kind of figured it's kind of hard to believe that you didn't have some elements of who you are as a kid. So I want you to talk about you growing up. Did you have any of this pizzazz or insight or intuition that was just probably stuck under the rug until you realized it when you got older? Um, so I would say that as a child, um, 
I was always very outgoing. I was always very creative. Hmm. Um, so I, I was, I played music, I played guitar and I learned like saxophone and stuff from like seven, like seven years old in second grade, played piano. Like those were my things. I was, I was really into, um, to music and creativity and, like I, I'm that side of the brain, whatever side, left or right, whatever that is, that is my thing. I've always spoken. I've always been in front of people. I've always been kind of a, you know, going out and trying new things was never an issue for me, if that makes sense. Um, so maybe the discipline kind of came from that. Like I was, you know, I would self-teach myself things. I, you know, I took guitar lessons for a little bit, but then I would teach myself further and further and further along. Um, if there was something I wanted, I found out a way to get it. Good, bad, or indifferent, um, it, I that has never been an issue for me. So I guess um, you know. But also, I as I get older, I start to think things that you really want in life as a child, like things that you're missing, you almost start to reach out for as you age. So the lack of structure, the lack of discipline, the lack of those kind of foundational pieces on like making and mincing all kinds of words here, but those types of foundations are those things that I think children really benefit from. I did not have. And it was something that, you know, I found in something else that I think I was missing in life. So I grasped onto it like crazy, super hard. And then now it basically just defines who I am. Wow. Wow. So, I mean, to, to the listeners listening, I mean, I always like to ask a question around that particular topic because you may have Dustin as a child in your house. And you pulling out <laughs> your ear, trying to figure out like what to do with this kid. But I mean, obviously, he just told you. I mean, he just kind of gave you an insight into that. I mean, you, you just have to feed into like whatever that kid is is about, and and try to see past the negative. So if if I could ask you to define yourself in just three to five words, who you are today, what three to five words would you use to define you? Wow, I've never been. I don't know if I've ever been asked that before. Uh, the first word that immediately comes to mind is driven. Mm. And like, I don't know why, but that, that, you know, driven motivated is the same word, but, um, uh, driven, uh, disciplined and optimistic, I think mm. would be my three. I don't know why, but those are the first three that, that come to mind. So let's, this spin off optimism, right? Obviously, in what you're doing in the medical field, there is it's almost like a bipolar. There's people that it's like gung ho, give me everything you have. I want to buy every single yeah. box. Yeah. And then you have the complete assholes. It's like it doesn't work. What are you talking about? You're a liar. I want you to talk about the worst case scenario that you've dealt with in your career in, in the pharmaceutical field. That you dealt with a client that was disbelieving, but you had an opportunity to turn that around to make them more of a an advocate for what you do. Okay. So actually this happens more time. This happens a lot. And we, I'll, I'll use kind of, well, I mean, it's typically always the same story repeatedly and, and mm -hmm. it actually leads to a success for us. So with our product, a lot of, we do sell a product that offers really awesome benefits from that being like metabolic enhancement, performance enhancement, workout recovery, stuff like that. And, and those are things that people really want, right? Mm -hmm. um, I made a, this is a business show, so I can, I'll say it, but I, I was in the fitness business um, for years, okay? Training, athletic development. I started a, um, a facility that I was, for sure was gonna change the world and it was gonna be huge and it was gonna be all this stuff, right? And it was, it was really, really hard. 
I mean, it was really hard. It, it, oh man, it was 4.30 AM to 10 PM every night. The business did not succeed. It did not go well. I, um, it was, I, I have no problem saying that we, we focused on the wrong things backwards. And I think that really played to why this business is so successful today is because, or our business today is so successful is because I basically did the opposite of everything I did with one of my biggest failures. Um, but what I'm getting at is when I was in that business, I would say, I would look at one of my, my head, my chief of operations. And I would say to him, man, if I ever own another, if I own another business after this, I, I'm not selling this stuff. I'm going to sell pizza and beer. And it was a, it was an analogy. It was a metaphor it was because people will always buy pizza and beer. It's something that they want. It's something that gives them a quick fix. It's something that like it's enjoy, it's enjoyable for them. So now let me tie this to what I was saying. When it comes to the types of products that we sell, people want a quick fix. They want something to fix right now. They, um, when we are selling fitness, fitness is a, a something you have to come in, you have to work out. It, it's painful. It takes a long process. It's a hard sell, man. It, it's a terribly hard sell. So when we're getting in business now, it's like, okay, well, now we sell products that offer these benefits. These people want this stuff right now. They want to wake up tomorrow and they want to be 20 pounds lighter. They want six pack abs. They want, you know, they want to never be sore from a workout again. And we, there are times where we will get messages from individuals be like, your product didn't work. It didn't work. I'm pissed. And I understand that you might think it did not work. You, and the, the questions are always like, okay, well, how long did you take it? And we always get, you know, there's, you have to quantify the words didn't work. Because if you leave it to everybody who has you know an issue with a product that didn't work and it's a month or a three month program and you've done fourteen days, you have to identify that you're two you're two weeks in like it takes time so that is the main issue that we face with our products is with hormone products, a physician of a synthetic and a, a prescribing a synthetic drug like human like prescription human growth hormone will tell you. You need to commit to six months. You need to commit to six months, and we will see and reevaluate if this works or not. Well, with our products, we get reports of individuals get feeling and noticing the effects within twelve to fourteen days. Physical effects like four to six weeks, and blood work always shows you know one to three months. But you'll get individuals who are very upset that they have not. I haven't lost a pound. It's been twelve days. Totally understand. Or you get individuals who say. I took it from, you know, I'm, I'm three weeks in, haven't felt a thing. I, I don't feel it doesn't work. Totally get it. How we win these individuals over to take it back to the beginning of, we go, okay, I totally understand. Go ahead and finish out your first month and call me in two weeks or totally understand, you know, and we'll do whatever we can to make them happy because I'm not in the business of upsetting people. Mm -hmm. But you'd be surprised how many times people will come back in two weeks after they stop and go, or just reorder. You see their names pop up, they reorder, or they go, okay, now I understand. Because it's a very gradual type feel. You don't feel cells. You don't feel your cells right now splitting, multiplying, differentiating. It takes time. So when they stop taking the product and they're no longer getting the benefits that they were, uh, they were feeling gradually, so a little bit unnoticeable... Those first two weeks, they start to feel how they used to feel before they started. And then they come back and like, you know what? I'm a lifer. I totally get it. I, I totally understand. And they're clients for a long, long, long time. So we feel, we feel things like that a lot. People want instant gratification. They want it right now. And how we handle it is we help individuals put in place proper metrics, proper quantifiable metrics to help understand 
what to expect. So managing expectations, but also a lot of times clients or customers need to understand why they think something doesn't work. You have to put quantifiable metrics into place. That's with anything. You can say a business doesn't work, but if it, but if you know if the metrics show you're netting a million dollars a year, well then you can say whatever you want. I mean, you're netting a million dollars. What you do with a million after you net it, I don't know. But um, to say that something doesn't work, but you don't have quantifiable metrics in place, mm-hmm. isn't fair for anybody. So that's how we do that. We we will work with clients. We will work with them on putting together quantifiable metrics to make sure that the product is not working for them and that it doesn't. And very rarely. Either individuals don't follow through and want to and want to keep track of those metrics, or they come back and they they're actually a happy client moving forward for months and months to years. I think I think it's definitely a fascinating way of delivering that answer. I mean, think of it from the other spectrum, right? So you may have do a dyers that are like they'll they'll preach and 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 they'll actually market the product for you. But let's talk about like is there a thing as far as having too much product. Do you have anybody out there thinking that they're going to become Wolverine because they're going to take enough of these hormones so that they can self-heal themselves? Is it a possibility of overdosing on on hormones? No, no. And I totally get it. But we're also a very transparent company. We don't make claims that aren't true. We don't sell you the world and you know not deliver. We... We are not a synthetic drug, so we we fly under the we fly in this gray area of not a synthetic drug. So it's you know it's a real substance that we harvest here on Earth that isn't a synthesized drug pulling out of a petri dish from recumbent DNA. But it's you know it ain't protein powder. We we fly in this this realm of underneath pharmaceutical and above you know supplement supplements. So um, we're very clear with our messaging that you're not going to take this product and you know take it as Bruce Banner and wake up the Hulk and blast through the back of a, you know, blow through a cinder block wall. Like that's not what we sell. If you, you know, we do not sell products like that. We don't sell products that can take you and push you past or what we would call an abnormal range. It doesn't have the ability by design. So everything within each vial is molecularly identical to what your body already produces. So anything that you can't use, or basically let's just say it's a gas tank and you're topped off you just excrete through urine or sweat. You can't take, you can't overdose. And, um, you know, we do get questions with people all the time. Like, Hey, if I take three a day, is this good? Yeah, it's good for business for me, but it's not going to do anything for you. So we just say, there's no need to do that. You don't need to take three a day if you want to. And it makes you feel good. Go for it. I think you'd be, I think you'd be wasting your money. I'm not going to say you're not going to benefit more, but I don't think the bang for your buck is, uh, where you're going to want it to be. So let's just talk about like like the scope of of where you are. I'm obviously perception, right? Like how long have you been on the road to where you are right now? Earlier on, we talked about like the hurdles that you've overcome and like the actual purchasing of the company, but in actual years, is it a five year, 10 year, 20 years? We how acquired, long- are you talking about um, the company we that I'm talking about right now? Uh, that um, was December. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, we acquired yeah. this company in December one of 2018. So what is it, 22? Okay. So it's like we're uh, we just had four years. Yeah. So we're you know at four years, moving into the fifth year. So um, prior to that, I mean, my kind of aha moment in life of starting to give up everything and sleep with spiders and take out people's trash that was <laughs> like 26 or 27. I think I'm 37 now, so it's about a decade. About 10 years back. Okay. Yeah. So let's look at this from a perspective of if you could go back in time 
and you had an opportunity, like like literally, you have a uh, maybe a sixty second window. You pop in, beam out of out of nowhere, and you're in front of yourself at a younger age. When would you go back to? What would you say to yourself to change the outcome to happen a lot faster? <sighs> so, oh man, I hope any parents aren't listening because they're going to be upset with this answer. Um, I wish I I wish I would have gotten to myself. I, number one, I want to preface this. I literally, and I, I know when people say this, but like, I'm probably the luckiest guy on earth right now. Like I am, I would not change anything. Cause I would hate to like start the bad, like the butterfly effect. And then you wake up and you're like, Oh, I have no arms. But, um, so I wouldn't change anything. So I, I don't actually think about that a lot, but I would probably, you know, slap the taste out of my mouth when I would be about 18, 19 years old. I had had plenty of fun by 18, 19. And I would stop myself from ever having signed up from a college course or ever paying any money from that and paying in, in acquiring student loans. And I would have handed myself a couple books and said, kind of like, get to work. And or like, I mean, I only have 60 seconds, but if you can't tell by the show, I could probably get a lot said in 60 seconds because I don't shut up. But um, <laughs> yeah, like, there, there was a few. Yeah, that's what I would. I, 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 you know, you had a lot of fun in high school. You had a lot of fun, maybe, you know, 18, 19. I'd stop you right there and kind of, um, you know, there's a few pieces of material that I would highly recommend for people, but that would, you know, hopefully kind of draw me in the right direction. I think it's funny that you said you'll smack the taste out your mouth because anyone that has teenagers in their life, I mean, they could definitely relate to, 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 to wanting to smack the taste yeah. out of a teenager's mouth, right? So, and I, I'm a big believer about what you're saying. Obviously, like there's college for a reason. And then there's kind of like figuring out what you want to do and then getting the right mentors or the right courses to get on that track a lot faster versus having an abundance of death for a degree, a degree that you're never going to use. So you alluded to material. Let's talk about obviously in that journey, there must have been some books that you've read that kind of got you to where you are. What books would you recommend to your younger self that you've read that you want our listeners to read? Oh man. Um, okay. So it depends. And that, and that part of my life journey, there's a book that I really like that was called uh, the mountain is you. Oh. And it's, it's not a business book at all, actually it. And it's, it's about understanding that, of kind of like gaining access to your ego, not gaining access, but kind of eliminating your ego, like getting your understanding that like the whole world isn't about you. Um, like all the things that you're self-conscious about, or maybe that hold you back, it kind of like pulls the curtain away from that and helps you understand how other people look at you. So about self-awareness. And I will tell you from hiring, you know, lots of younger salespeople, um, including my own demographic from millennials to Gen Zers or Gen X, I don't know what letter they call themselves or whatever. The number one thing I see in younger individuals, including myself when I was 18, 19, 20, 21, all the way through 25, 26, and probably early into my 30s was lack of self-awareness, hmm. um, understanding, like the inability to see the way that I did things like from an outside perspective looking in. That really holds people back from uh, career growth, from self-growth, from from in a lot of entrepreneurs who own real businesses, I, I believe that it holds them back massively as well or keeps them kind of small, for lack of a better term. 
so that book was, was really important to me. And I read that book, I think when I was like 35, uh, 35, 36. And I, 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 I've, I've bought copies repeatedly for people oh. and it's, it's not the most, you know, it's not the smartest work. It's not Summa Theologica from, you know, Aquinas. It's not like the most, this incredible, you know, piece of, of, of uh, you know, literature that just changed the world. But to me, it was very redundant. It was very simple, but if you can kind of, you got to kind of read it and look back at yourself and be able to, to see yourself on the outside. So that was a really big book. If you're talking about um, business books, I think the, it depends what business you're in, but I think the book that made a massive change in our business that I absolutely applied. And now we're working on applying it with one of my business partners and one of his companies um, in this staffing industry was the book called The Blue Ocean. You ever heard of that book? Okay. Blue Ocean is huge. And then they have like a, a follow-up like Blue Ocean Strategy. And everybody seems to hear this book, but I mean, did you read it? Did you... I mean, did you actually... You have to go through that book and actually use it as a workbook. We did. And I will tell you that it completely changed... Um, it completely changed our business. It really, really did. So that book was a huge one. Um, and then there was another book called... I don't... I was talking about it this morning about... Um, I can't remember the name of it. It's a little, it's like a little black book of sales or something like that. And it's not a lot about selling, but there's a really good point in that book about learning how to specialize and to kind of cut the fat mm-hmm. off your business. And that was a big one. So I guess just right off the cuff, the, the top two for sure. And the third one would be, you know, an added benefit. So, I mean, obviously with all this different insight and if it seems like you've been hoarding it for a period of time and you're utilizing it, right? Like you're absorbing it and then you're putting it back out into ether. Have you started to, or have you created your own version of a book that you've authored as of yet? No, not even close. Not at all. That was um, one of my goals in life was to to write a book, mm-hmm. and I was gonna, I was actually gonna call it like Memoirs of a Dropout, because I mean, for the most part of my life, I was you know an addict, a dropout, a just an overall horrible human being. Like really looking back, like most people don't realize, but just, you know, not, not treating people well. And I mean, I, I did, I was a dropout. I dropped out of everything. So that was, a, <laughs> that it's funny that you should say that. I don't think I've ever told anybody that maybe then like a friend or two, but um, no, it's always been kind of a goal is to, to write a book, something like that, but it's not really a priority at this point. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I know you're saying it's not a priority, but I could definitely see like, like with your style and the way you're delivering the content of, of this interview, I would definitely say it, it brings a lot of value, especially to, to the avatar that you're communicating to, which is millennials, right? To kind yeah. of help them kind of get through that crux part of being between 18 to 25, like you said earlier, like that seven year span is a difficult trying to figure out who the hell you are. And you've done that. So why would you not want to leave those breadcrumbs for the next generation to help oh, I do. find it a lot faster? I do 100%. My, um, my main goal in life right now is I actually, I want to create, develop, and offer schooling for individuals and starting um, specifically for young men, um, all the way elementary, elementary through, you know, whenever I, I got to kind of craft it out. But no, I absolutely, that's my goal in life right now. And it's because I think, that and this is my personal opinion and worldview, but I think men are, especially in this country, um, are heavily misguided, mm. and and that they, I I'll be very honest with you, I didn't have a um, a father that was really present in my life. Like he existed, but he had other priorities, and um, I missed out on a lot of that 
what I wish I would have gotten was direction and discipline and, and understanding certain things, especially as a man, I was raised by two women. So, and, and they were great. I mean, uh, I'm very happy with you know how my life turned out, but I see around me and I, I have had several, quite a f- several young men work for me. Um, and even just, you know, that I've reached out or that I speak with, or that I kind of talk to that, grew even even if they had fathers in the household have grown up without a really strong male presence that helped teach them things that our older generations were always taught and we are again this is a personal opinion and worldview but i i think that we are losing out on a lot of really great ingenuity and advancement and um you know, socioeconomic world development. I just made that term up, but I think our men are uh, made it up, but I think men are really missing and lacking a lot of that direction, discipline, you know, understanding their place in the world as men. And, and because they have lacked those things, they grow up to be adults who don't have any direction. And that's one of the reasons why I, I think depending upon who you are, um, the collegiate route isn't always for everybody because it puts people into these areas and they don't even know who they are yet. And then gives them degrees that cost them a quarter million dollars that they don't even want to do. They don't know where their place in the world is. And when you have individuals who lack that purpose, that direction, and that uh, self-awareness, you get unstable, you get uh, emotional, you get um, weak human beings and weak men cause big problems for people around them in the world. And I, I think that that's something that we're just missing here. And I would like to be a part of fixing that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think, I think that last thing was, was a genuine gold nugget, right? I mean, obviously you're saying weak men create big problems. Yeah. So let's say you have an opportunity, right? And someone may not realize that they're weak. And again, we're talking to a younger generation. If you could leave, and I would say this could be the intro to your book, right? This is like the intro, yeah. intro chapter to your book. What words of wisdom do you have for someone that may be weak-minded, that's causing big problems? How could they flip that? Take responsibility. Take responsibility and learn accountability. Without, without personal accountability, you can never even take one step in the right direction. Because you're not taking accountability for who you are to begin with. So if that if if you feel or you have something innate inside of you that for some reason that last sentence kind of rang true with you or made you think, then a and this all comes back to self you know self awareness, self introspection of understanding who you are and and uh, who you actually are out in the world mm-hmm. and how people perceive you or or how your actions um, are perceived or how they actually you know take part in the world. It's all for naught without personal accountability and understanding who you are and and that it's your personal responsibility to change those things. It's nobody else's. And no one's going to do it for you. That's the only thing. I mean, you can't pay somebody to do that for you. So no one will ever do it for you. You have to do it on your own. Wow. So let's let's just figure out how does someone get in contact with you? I mean, obviously you're dropping nuggets left and right. You're also talking about growth hormones that can absolutely help. (laughs) Yeah. Is that what we're talking about? Yeah, we're talking about a mix of different things, right? So, yeah, I mean, obviously, yeah. getting to know you as as a president behind the company is probably more influential than talking about the product directly. So, mm-hmm. how does someone get in contact with you, or how do they get their hands on getting some of the the growth hormones? I always tell people to go to our Instagram. We're huge on Instagram. That 
you know, that was something that I actually fought tooth and nail when we were developing this, this brand and building it. I was like, no, we're not going to be a social media company. We are not going to be a social media. And I, you know what? It happened on its own and it, and it took off. So I, I don't fight too hard anymore. But um, if you go to the Instagram page, that's really where we live. That is who you can see the people using the product. I mean, it's a very community-based page. A lot of times, we don't even have to answer questions that come in. People who use the products will jump in and answer them for us. And people share. It's all user-generated material. Everybody throws in their stuff. It's really cool. And uh, we're very, very active. So if you want to get a hold of us or you know, even want to reach out to me, reach out to the page first. Tell them you want to get a hold of me. Somebody will drop you my email or something and, and you'll be good to go. And that's at BioProteinTech. So it's at B-I-O-P-R-O-T-E-I-N-T-E-C-H. And uh, you can check out our website if you want to do that too. It's bioproteintech.com. Same thing. B-I-O-P-R-O-T-E-I-N-T-E-C-H.com. Very cool. So I got a bonus question for you. If you could spend 24 hours with anyone, this person could be dead or alive, and you get to spend 24 hours uninterrupted with them, who would it be and why? Jesus Christ. And what's the why? Um, Regardless of your religious beliefs, he was the most prolific and um, I'm trying to think of the word that I, I have the word right on my tongue. He um, polarizing individual that the, that the planet earth has ever known. And the entire world has tried to blot out his name. No. And this isn't, I'm not talking about today's society, but for centuries and centuries and centuries, Kings, emperors, Every man of power has has tried to blot out his name. And for some reason, take this for what you will, his name will never, it cannot be and has not be ever removed from this earth. And books have been burned and, and history has been rewritten and you can't stop it. So I can't see how you wouldn't want to spend any other time with anybody else. Somebody that has that type of power and that type of personality and that type of ability to change the lives. I mean, people, people were tortured for years and years and years on end to just deny his existence. And they refused. I mean, how could you, who else would, who else can you say that about? Hmm. I think, I think the way, the way you fulfilled that question kind of leads me to another bonus question. Yeah. <laughs> to you, right. So yeah. if you could be a superhero, who would you be and why? Man, that's a really, that's a really good one. Now, I'm not a big superhero guy, mm-hmm. but man, I just always, I really always liked Batman. I was always a big Batman guy. He doesn't actually have any superpowers. Like, you know, um, he was a normal dude. Mm-hmm. And depending upon which storyline you kind of want to follow behind Batman, he, yeah, he had a ton of resources at his, at his hands, but what did he do with them? He used his resources to create or at least attempt to do good for other people and people that didn't necessarily deserve it or not. But that was his entire worldview was using the resources he did have for good. Not yeah. to mention, I mean, he dressed, I, I think he dressed the best. He had the coolest cars. He, and somebody's out there is going to be like, Oh no, Tony Stark was, I don't, I don't like Tony Stark. I, I think Tony Stark is a jerk. I think, uh, Somebody's now you're going to get somebody really looking for my information, getting all upset about Tony Stark. Um, <laughs> uh, I thought Batman was always the coolest man. I always did, and I I like I've always liked the dark, the mysterious. The he just did it a very different way, and he you know he did the exact opposite that every you know that somebody like a Stark would do is 
he, you know, was a recluse in and of himself and he didn't take any of the credit for his actions. So yeah. I don't know. I guess you, you pulled that one out of me. I, I think Bruce Wayne is definitely the coolest. Well, I think it's, it's funny that you brought up Iron Man versus Bruce Wayne because, I mean, I, I, also when you think about, like, comic book history, I think they're the, probably the only two landmark billionaires that are that are in, in, in either series that you can kind of yeah. think right off the top of your head, right? So going into closing, I, I would like to give opportunity to whoever I'm interviewing um, a piece of my show. So you're now the host of Boston Cage. I'm now your guest. Do you have any questions for me? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, what was your main driving force in wanting to create this show or even reach out and talk to people, you know, like me? Like, what, what's the whole thing? Like, what's, what's the purpose? What's the, mm-hmm. you know, the look, the feel, the why? Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it's, I've, I've had that question asked in several different ways. And, and it always comes back to me being on my deathbed, recovering from a stroke and having opportunity to obviously still live. And then realizing that I was not documenting my journey of business before that stroke. So when I came through, I would say like my girlfriend at the time, who's my wife now, was telling me like, why don't you brand yourself the way you've been branding all these other companies you've been working with and working for for the past 18 years? So that's when I went through this whole rebranding process, like we talked about earlier. Everybody was calling my first name, Chanel, Chantel, Shinobi, everything else on the damn son. And I was like, I'm just going to simplify it and make it easy. Call me S.A. And then I started publishing books and I became a podcaster. So from then until now, you know, I'm working on my ninth and 10th book. And I'm a podcaster that essentially gives opportunity to tell entrepreneur's story, but it's more so breadcrumbs for my children, my legacy, and also your kids or other entrepreneurs that may be coming up to hear these stories and impact them to where they can become one of us or surpass us where we are right now currently. I have, I have a follow-up question. Yeah. So, and uh, clearly don't pick me, but um, who would be your favorite guests prior to this show? Shit. Um, and why, of course. I, I think currently right now, I would still say Wiley Day was probably like my, my favorite episode just because it wasn't because she was the first billionaire that I interviewed, but it was just because she was so profound in what she's doing, but she was so like a regular person. And for her to be ranked on 21 uh, as far as um, Forbes self-made billionaire, and then the conversation that we had is much like what you and I having right now. We're talking about her grandkids, yeah. talking about her you know, marrying into a PhD family. It was just like her insight that she delivered was so profound that if someone didn't get value from the episode, then they might as well not have a heart. <laughs> I will be uh, going and listening to that <laughs> to the episode now. So I appreciate that. That was great, man. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I appreciate you, man. I think you you brought a hell of a lot of value to the table. I think like this conversation, like it was like riding a wave. Like if you're used to surfing, it's like we were just surfing and riding, riding in and up and up, up and down. I think you delivered so many different value and, and intuition to where someone can kind of see into your psyche and then utilize that to kind of grow and prosper. I hope so. I hope there was something there that somebody can benefit from of all the kind of mumbo jumbo and mushed up words and run on sentences that. <laughs> It can help somebody maybe, you know, save a, a few years of, you know, pain, strife and, uh, and exhaustion to help them get there where they're trying to go faster. Yeah, I think it's cool that you ended it with that. Because I mean, obviously, you do sell a product that's anti-aging. So, I mean, it, it only makes sense, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to help you physiologically and mentally. So, <laughs> great, great. Back for more. Cool. Well, I appreciate it, man. Thank you so much, S.A. I appreciate the time, buddy. I had a great time. Well, S.A. Grant, over and out.